Welcome to another week of the Sing Second Podcast. Uh, we're fresh off of Master's Week in November. Still weird to say. Uh, we're recording right now in the smack middle of the NBA draft, which again usually happens in like June or something like that. So everything's still all wonky. Uh, officially, this is week 12 of the college football season, uh, but we still see some records that are, are 4 0 or 0 4 versus teams that are 7 1, 8 0. And so, uh, again, all over the spectrum. Um, before we dive too much into this this better slate of college football after kind of an a unofficial bye week, if you would, uh, Danny, what's good? Uh, well, I actually I think you guys and your uh, your holiday spirit might be rubbing off on me a little bit. We've we've talked about before how I'm always a you don't think about Christmas until the day after Thanksgiving kind of guy. Um, but I've actually decided I'm going to try something different this year. I'm going to, I'm just going to roll it all up into, into one holiday season. Um, I'm going to celebrate Thanksgiving, Christmas, the new year, just all in one sort of, sort of big conglomeration this year. So, um, that, that change has, has made me feel pretty good. It's made me have some, some holiday joy and spirit. Uh, been talking to the kids about, just trying to watch as many uh, holiday movies as we can over, over Thanksgiving break and been kind of fun thinking about and asking people about their, uh, their favorite holiday movies. Obviously there's national lampoons, Christmas vacation. um, That's always mentioned. There's elf. uh, That's always mentioned. You can have the, the diehard debate, although I don't think my kids are quite old enough for that yet. Um, but I guess I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, like, what are, what are some of your, cause here, here's the question that, that I've been asking my family, we're each going to pick one movie that we all have to sit and watch. Um, and I'm torn, you know, over maybe two or three different movies. So if you had to just sit down, pick one holiday movie that, that everyone in your family had to watch, uh, what would it be? I kind of need some recommendations. Anything jump out as, as your go-to? We usually go Christmas Vacation or sometimes uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, that, that's one I hadn't hadn't mentioned. And it, and it seems like it seems like most of the good ones are like '80s and '90s films. Like what, what are the what are the recent like really good sort of staple holiday movies? Uh, well, there's, oh, sorry. I was going to say that Christmas Chronicles on Netflix, uh, that came out last year. It was pretty decent little one. They're making a sequel of it this year. I don't remember who's in it, but it was kind of good. It was kind of funny. Kurt Russell or something. I don't know. Somebody was in there. So that's, that's kind of it for me. I I'm anxious to kind of have, uh, have Christmas going over, over Thanksgiving. Well, so it's crazy to me. We've actually – does anybody know what the official date was of our first pod? Because we almost, I feel like we've come full circle. We, we've got to be almost to the year year mark, aren't we? Actually, next week on Tuesday will be the day on that fateful snow day at uh, North Platte Public Schools where then we had a little gathering, and then uh, we that was the night we came up with the idea. 
that was that would be a year from this Tuesday, a year from yesterday, I guess. Or, yeah, a year from yesterday. Crazy, because like I was just about ready to dive in, into this obscure Christmas movie, but then I felt like I had already told the story about uh, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas uh, "I'll Be Home for Christmas" because. <laughs> In the opening credits, it shows a map of the United States, and lo and behold, Danny, get your drinks ready. Your Nebraska land sponsored drink and snack. Uh, Cody, Nebraska, flies across the screen on "I'll Be Home for Christmas." So, geez, we're that we're already that podcast that is in reruns already. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably, we may have probably a different. Got- Different topic, talked but... about Christmas movies too, and I and I was scrolling through the other day, and I did see I did see that one with JT, JTT on the cover, so I considered yeah. screenshotting and, and sending it to you. But uh, um, and I think but... I think we started recording. It was already bowl season during our first episode, was it yeah. not, or was it right before bowl season? So, yeah, I was thinking about that the other day also. That it's it was about about a year ago when we. When we uh, came upon the idea, or, or I guess Brandon talked us talked us into it, and then we were like, "Hey, you know, buy some equipment, and we'll uh, we'll talk into some microphones." So now I'm looking so, forward to being able to use that microphone again sometime. Yeah, so I think it's important that we start planning on what we're going to do for that one year anniversary. Uh, I think in, in uh, the wedding thing, the wedding anniversary is like the diamond anniversary or something crazy like that, uh, but. Uh, I'm just going to say my two movies. It's They're kind of my staple of holidays. Obviously, on Christmas Day, you got to watch The Christmas Story, 24 hours of The Christmas Story. Uh, but Home Alone, Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Those are my go-to. Uh, for whatever reason, over the last couple of years, I've just been really into The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. I, just, I, I love Tim Allen. I've decided. So uh, those would be my two go-tos. I, I did notice that Disney Plus has the – isn't it a trilogy? Aren't there three of them? You might be able to get me to watch the second one. You're losing me with the third one. It's really just the Santa Claus, and we can end it there. I don't know if I've seen that whole thing straight through, so that's that's uh, that's probably going to be on the watch list. Other than, other than the holidays uh, – how about uh, how about Andy? What's good with you, buddy? Survived a week with two kids. Um, <laughs> it's it's been a fast week. It's been kind of crazy at times, but uh, you know, I I I, in, I even won an award today, and I <laughs> I, I couldn't be more proud of this award. Um, and it is just for being the coolest guy on earth. And there may have been an explicit explicit term there in the middle, but. Uh, I just don't know what I did to deserve such an honor, but you know I've had a pretty good week, and this is a this is a good into it. Well, Andy, I will say when you're when you're just a dang cool guy and you do <laughs> gosh darn cool things in the in the middle of a week on a Wednesday, you can earn yourself an award. So yeah, congratulations to Andy. Um, I think the uh, I think the the cash the the check will be deposited in your Nebraska land bank account uh, within the next week. So good job. We have an award-winning uh, radio guy and just a award-winning cool guy on the podcast. Uh, Exciting two times. Time. Two time. I appreciate you giving me that award there, Dana. I, I need that today. 
You're welcome. Well, Brandon, what's good? For me, I was thinking about how last weekend, speaking of anniversary stuff, uh, Marshall, 50-year anniversary of the tragic plane crash. And in the movie, We Are Marshall, you know, they're, they kind of over-exaggerate how successful they were as a team kind of before the crash in the movie. They weren't really the powerhouse that they kind of lead you to believe. But uh, they wanted to play for the honor of those uh, people who had died on the, their teammates and coaches and everybody from the community who was on the plane. And uh, they were terrible. And then the coach is telling the assistant coach, he said, yeah, I mean, this, it's, it's not how you play. It's whether you win or lose. I've been told that a million times. And then he tells them that we're, we're not honoring them with this, but it's important that we play. So then one day, They'll be so good that they will honor those people. And, you know, for Marshall to go from all that tragedy, you know, to a fractured community of who thought they should play and who thought they shouldn't play, and then uh, going on to uh, win a couple of national championships in FCS in the 90s, uh, to having old Pennington watch him play some quarterback there, watch Randy Moss, who, who arguably was – the best college football player in 1997, uh, not not Charles Woodson in my opinion, but getting to watch uh, uh, Randy Moss, the freak, play through that season. And then uh, Byron Leftwich, uh, watching him break his leg and the lineman carrying him down uh, to where he could get set and throw the ball again. And and now 50 years later in, in this weird world we live in, they're 7-0. They're number 15 in the country, I believe. And so I like to think, even though they any other season, they probably would have played a tougher uh, opponent early on and they might not be undefeated. But uh, I like to think that those former teammates, you know, and those former uh, coaches and everybody are kind of looking down and uh, pleased with what they see Saturdays at Marshall Thundering Herd. That's what's good for me. That you know, and I think that's one thing. Last week, having game day at the Masters was pretty darn cool, just because that's never probably going to happen again until Masters is randomly in October or November again. But um, it had been cool to have them be at Marshall last week because they did have a home game last week, and the opportunity was there. And so that would have been kind of a cool nod to the history there. Yeah, I I agree, but. I also think I, I texted you guys about it. I think I think the uh, game day at the Masters was a was a pretty amazing thing. They'll never be able to do that again. So um, uh, you know what I mean. So that is pretty cool. Yeah, they can always do like the 55th or the 75th anniversary of the the Marshall plane crash. Uh, just when when Brandon mentioned that they were uh, they were 15th. I looked it up because I thought Coastal Carolina was was fifteenth. They're tied. Yeah, is that a thing that happens? Like you can't decide that one of those is fifteen and one of them is sixteen. We're really gonna put the number tie of votes. They just happen to be the same. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Well, Coastal the, Carolina the, comes first in the alphabet, so they'll they'll they should be up a little higher, you know. Yeah, in, all things considered, I think it does. Uh, 
relegate to the alphabetical order rule. In the uh, coaches poll, though, Marshall's at 15 and Coastal Carolina's at 18. Disrespect. Yeah. So, Kyle, what's good with you? Well, I know uh, we're just on podcast, but uh, the three other guys might be able to see me uh, wrestling around with uh, my eight-month-old puppy, who is uh, not necessarily cooperating as well as he normally would. So, if I go long stretches without saying anything, uh, first off, you guys are probably happy about that. Second of all, it's probably because either my dog starts to bark or I'm still in the process of wrestling him. So, got a lot of energy to burn off. Uh, I've had morning basketball practice the last couple of days, so he's been kind of neglected in terms of our, our long, luxurious walks that we take together. So, this is the payment I get. It, it almost appears that your dog is, is more wrestling you. Like I yeah. think your dog, I think your dog's telling other dogs like, so there's this guy, he just kind of sits in this room talking to nobody, and I just go in and I and I wrestle him. Yeah, but I am winning. Just so. uh, I I've got a pretty good visual, and I I don't know if I can confirm that. Yes, just so you guys know, he's a fun-loving dog, pretty aggressive, kind of a pain every once in a while. Danny's gotten to meet him. I guess everybody was over there for the the luxurious evening with Archie and uh, turns out getting him fixed just doesn't really take out the steam like you would have originally thought. Puppy life, man. What else do you guys want to talk about? Well, I guess we could go ahead and jump right into this uh, reviewing last week's score. Um, it was a pretty good week overall. Uh, we picked five games. Um, if the Nebraska game doesn't get canceled, uh, Kyle went three and two, and the and the the three of us went four and one. So we all gained the game on Kyle, uh, you know. And we all had Penn State over Nebraska, but I feel like that's a win either way because yeah, you help your standings. But in case Nebraska pulls it out, that feels good as well. And so Brandon had Nebraska, didn't I, he? I picked, yeah, I picked Nebraska. Oh, I put down Penn State. Sorry. Jeez. Oh, so, I so went, Brandon, Brandon went with Peter. Oh, whoa. It rigged. I want to recount. Whatever Hashtag it costs, recount. Recount. Yep. Shoot. I just want you guys, and chances are it'll never happen, but I want you guys to make sure that the time that I went undefeated, it was ho-hum. Brandon goes undefeated, and it's a calculated wrong. I just want everybody to to rue the day when when Andy himself ever manages to go undefeated to make sure that he's getting the same sort of high level celebrations that that we have gotten. The title of the podcast that week will be "Andy Goes Undefeated in uh, Pickums This Week." That will be the <laughs> title of it. Allegedly, <laughs> but no, that will. Uh, my, I have to make another award for him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just glad that you guys recognize the uh, the detail I give you guys when when you guys do well because I'm proud of you. You know, I I really am. Like I'm not picking these games just for fun. Like I think Brandon's <laughs> edging me or getting closer. We might even be tied. Like I'm trying to be at the top of this leaderboard at the end, and if. And if we're just kind of going to be willy-nilly like, oh, yeah, this guy picked some games and he got some right, got some wrong, then 
geez, what has this all been about if we're not trying to win this thing? You know, now that I look back on it, I even wrote Nebraska down for Brandon. I just highlighted it red because I assumed he picked Penn State after. (laughs) Can I just, since we're talking about records and, like, winning and losing and stuff, can I just throw out there that I did win two burritos this weekend from uh, from the same guy, and his name's Kyle? Well, so – listeners from last week Danny we all kind of went and picked around our our winners and Danny did pick the winner but I just wanted it to be stated that he also picked four people to win when everybody else just picked one so he did have the odds in his favor uh we had a little draft uh, Danny's seven-year-old daughter flipped this coin when I was 300 miles away and somehow he wins so he flipped it just just like I told her to. So it, so that it's like it's one of those things like, hey, Ellis, heads I win, tails Kyle loses. So who wins? And so he gets the gets the pick. Dustin Johnson clearly number one. Um, so we drafted after Saturday or after Friday's round. So Dustin Johnson had a huge lead, and then I just I knew I was gonna lose because I so I had to, had to just try my best. And I doubled down and I said, hey, double or nothing, Dustin Johnson versus the field. Okay, can Dustin Johnson hold everybody off? And he did. So I lost. That's gambling. Yep. That'll 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 happen. I appreciate you being such a good sport about it. And I'm sure one of these days I'll get one or both of those burritos, but yeah, and now all we gotta wait for is uh, our friend Tiger not to have me up so early so I can uh, pay some of those debts off. Good old morning practices. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I know I'm probably still in last place in our pickums, but I don't lose everything, and I just want uh, I just want all the fans to know that. Don't worry, I'm sure Andy would make that last place uh, spot very very apparent here. Just a little. Do bit. we have Do we have an overall? Yeah, man. Overall totals. Bad, Brandon, because I actually like you on this podcast, and I cheated you, you know, I cheated you a point. And so Kyle's lead even gets slimmer. Uh, Kyle is 28 and 12. Brandon is 27 and 13. Uh, I am 25 and 15. And Danny's is, is really trying his best here. <laughs> he's at 22 and 18. And so. Um, he's he's closing that gap, but if Brandon keeps going five and zero, we're gonna we're all in trouble. I won't. But moving on to this week's slate, we've got five games on the docket so far. Uh, these five haven't been canceled as of Wednesday night. Uh, there there's been a slew of them getting canceled kind of daily at this point. Uh, we've got Illinois at Nebraska in the eleven o'clock hour on BTN. Nebraska opens at a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. And so maybe we start this by kind of talking a little bit about that Penn State game last week. But 15-and-a-half points seems like a lot for a team who at times struggles to put the ball in the end zone from the 25 in. Yeah, I think the I think the win was big. Obviously, I would have preferred it to stay at the large larger margin that we had. But like Andy said, when we got – when we got down to it, we were we were not scoring touchdowns. We were taking field goals, and uh, that's not going to really beat too many good teams. We sh- should have been extending those leads or that lead that we had, and 
again, we were, <laughs> we were just not able to finish drives off, which again, we, we seem to be pretty good from uh, 30 yard line to 30 yard line, but anything inside of that, I don't know if, if we get cautious with play calling, uh, we, we essentially stopped throwing the ball. Um, maybe that's because the last time we threw it inside the five, uh, McCaffrey hit his own lineman in the head and, and threw an interception. But uh, I thought it was a positive win. Obviously, Penn State is, is having similar troubles that, that, uh, that we are. But um, I'm going to take that win anytime because not like preseason rankings mean a whole lot, but a lot of people thought that Penn State were, was going to be good. Uh, they've, they've lost some guys, and obviously the whole situation is kind of weird, but uh, I was pretty down after the Northwestern game, and victory over Penn State kind of picked me up a little bit. So as, as Husker Nation, as fans, would you say we're excited? Or are we excited about that victory? I yeah. Think, I think the fans that liked – Scott Frost and you know there's a probably uh, most people are but I'll bet that there is a sizable chunk of people that would have been happier if we lost just so they would have had something to gripe about so follow-up question to that are we excited about the win because it was a win our first of the season is it because it was against Penn State I think it is a good win because that is a game we would have lost earlier this year. You know, those are, those are kind of situations where the game gets tight like that and maybe we didn't make the one or two plays we needed to close it out. This time, Nebraska did. And just just to get the first win and get the monkey off the back, I think I think we should be super excited about it. So are we excited? Are we excited because we didn't lose? I'm I'm being I'm I'm kind of I'm being pessimistic this week to be honest with you. So I'm trying to just get a feel of like what what this particular win over Penn State really really is or really means. You know, uh, offensively, Penn State just looked bad. You know, they're down to their third, fourth string running back at times. And Sean Clifford, their quarterback, looked awful out there. I mean, they pulled the trigger and started their backup after, what, the third or fourth series. And so offensively, you know, uh, they're not anything to write home about. And so I feel like the defense did their part. And I think that's that shows kind of that, that next step that we've been where we can make the stop when and if we have to, kind of that first half as we were had all the momentum. Um, but their defense – yeah, they're missing a couple of guys who are opting out, but they still have a pretty darn good front seven. And so, yeah, they kind of got dominated at the line of scrimmage a little bit, but they held their own. And when things were going well, you know, we were, we were doing what we wanted to. And so, yeah, take it for what you want, but they still have a lot of NFL guys on that front seven. If, if this would have been a normal year and we're playing South Alabama in the second game of the season – and we're sitting at one and zero. You would have been excited over a win over South Alabama. So why wouldn't you be excited over a win with a win over Penn State? Like again, we we talked about it at week one when we played Ohio State. Like if you can't get excited for for week one, and if you can't feel like your team has a chance in the first game, then 
why even be a fan if it's going to make you that miserable? You can't like we we talk about it sometimes with our with our high school teams. Like if you're not going to enjoy wins, and if losses are just going to crush you so much, then it's pointless. Like you have to enjoy the wins no matter what form and shape they come in because it's proven time and again, like wins aren't guaranteed. So I was, I was down after the Northwestern game because I started looking at the schedule and I was like, geez, if we're going to lose the Northwestern, I, I might see one win on the, on the schedule and that's with Penn state coming here. And so now I'm kind of, I'm fueled back up. Uh, you can listen to quotes all you want. And Scott Frost had this big speech about is a monkey off their back. And we just had to learn how to win because he, he made a big deal about we broke a trend. Okay. We had a trend of losing. We had a trend of, of blowing those games late. And now we didn't. Okay. And then you can't have a winning streak of two until you get one and you can't have a successful program until you win some of these games that none of us besides Brandon expected them to have so um i'm 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 back in no i i'm not i i'm i'm glad we won absolutely glad we won um happy we didn't lose but like we also beat a team that hasn't won a game but we Uh, hadn't won a game yet it wasn't like we were 45 point favorites and we squeaked out a win like no we hadn't won a game yet either and give up about 500 yards to them and we were essentially gifted 10 points i mean uh, turnovers are turnovers but but they you know the interception i feel like they just kind of threw straight to us yeah but some of those are are empty yards in my opinion because if you think about it yeah they they outgained us by a lot but that's because we had a, a scoop and score to where their offense had a chance to gain yards and then we caused a fumble, we scored off of it, and then their offense is right back on the field with more time to gain yards. Same thing with the interception. Okay, We returned it clear down to the 15-yard the line, so it wasn't like we had a chance of just having this long, sustained drive. So when you start getting defensive touchdowns or special teams touchdowns, it's really easy to look back and just say, well, geez, we won by a lot, but we actually didn't play well because look at the yardage. Well, those special teams plays, those defensive return yards, those are kind of hidden yardage that you don't get to see when you compare it to Penn State, who didn't cause any turnovers, who had to march down the field because either we got down to the red zone and stalled out or we punted it so they had 70-yard fields. Like, they had a lot of empty yards, and they just happened to put a couple of scoring drives together in the second half. Yeah, that, that- – those are good points, and I also think it's it's a good point and important to remember that um, I I and many other people would probably have a little bit different attitude if this were our sixth game of the season and we had three non conference wins already and our and our record looked a little bit a little bit different. But what I'm what I'm what I'm actually excited about is I think after this weekend uh, we're two and two, which I think is is respectable given the the schedule and given our circumstances. And that's what will have me pretty jacked up uh, going into into Iowa week. Uh, wh- whether or not Iowa's our actual rival, um, that, that's a team that I really want to beat. And I think I'll have more optimism uh, if if we're if we're two and two going into that week. One thing that that I'm getting kind of excited about 
in terms of big picture stuff. And again, like you can, you can complain about whatever happened before or, or tell him saying that Scott Frost needs to get his own guys in. But like we went for a stretch there where we were undersized at every position where we were kind of just doing well on guts and guile and, we just didn't have those different makers that just look like physical freaks on the field. And now if you look at some of the safeties we have, if you look at Tanner Farmer, who doesn't even start and how big and imposing he is. And I can't even think of his name off the top of my head. The, the single digit defensive end that we have, uh, he wears like number, I can't remember what he, he's wearing, but like we have in our defensive backfield, imposing guys and granted we're, we're we lose uh, a couple of them it seems every game to targeting and we had a targeting penalty that was actually overturned uh this last week but like I don't always necessarily like their tackling because they are just simply going for those big hits but my god I love watching our defensive backs and even our linebackers are physical dudes that are rarely getting drug forward. Like our linebackers have been so impressive to me, whether it's Jojo Doman or Colin Miller and stuff like that. Like granted, are they the fastest? No. So that's why teams like uh, Ohio state got those drag routes across the middle just because we were always chasing. But man, if, if, if we're getting them lined up, those safeties are coming down the hill, coming downhill in a major way. Uh, I love the fact that DiCaprio Boodle is, is kind of, uh, locking down one side. He doesn't ever really get picked on. And uh, I love Taylor Britt. Cam Taylor Britt is, is such a, a physical dude and, and a tough guy that uh, he, he's probably one of my favorite players that we have. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm, I'm probably more excited about our defense right now than, than our offense. Uh, qu- question for you guys on the offensive side. Are we worried about a rushing attack at all? Um, I think the guy with the most carries was, was Wandale Robinson, and he had something like 16 carries for, for 70 yards. I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But if the more reps that McCaffrey's getting as starting quarterback, you know, I think that's just going to kind of open up everything from here on out. And, you know, it, it'd be kind of like the days of – I mean, a little different, but, you know, like when we had Jamal Lord and some of those guys, and it was like just the quarterback is the best athlete right now and just take us to the promised land, man. And and hopefully, you know, as people start keying in to him with those runs as we mix in the zone read, you know, that, that'll make the give a little bit easier to give to the running back, uh, you know, and, and some of that. So I think it may not be the prettiest way, but it, I mean, we've found a formula that works. Just have your quarterback move the sticks, do whatever it takes, man, and, and stay healthy and keep getting better every practice. So I don't <laughs> think it'll be a great offense, but I'm, I think we'll move the ball though. You, you guys that are football coaches, um, would you say our team – defending Nebraska, do you think we're easy to game plan against? I mean, don't you just want to want to try to get us to throw the ball as much as possible? Yeah, but when you force a throw, you also bring the quarterback scramble game into it too. 
Um, I I don't know. I think we'd be remiss to to leave out like the fact that Nebraska made a quarterbacking change where we kind of brought Adrian Martinez in it with Scott Frost being, hey, this is the guy that's going to kind of shepherd in this new era and a couple years into it and, and he's kind of losing losing his spot. Do we like – is this a – do you think this is going to turn into a forever thing? Do you think uh, – because, Danny, you and I were talking about it today. If, to me, if, if he's going two, three straight more games with, without getting any sort of a package or split – split snaps, which I'm, I'm never a fan of, but if we're going a couple more games here with McCaffrey all the time, like he, he's going to transfer. So um, where do you think, where do you kind of view our, our quarterback situation? I, I, I'll be, I'll be very surprised if, if at some point people aren't wanting to see Adrian again, um, I'll be, I'll be surprised if McCaffrey, turns out to be that huge of a difference maker that by the end of the season we're we're just set there um you guys you guys may disagree with that but but uh the other thing that I wanted to say about that is is that's one of the it's got to be like one of the hardest things as a coach to do is to to have your guy and then have to basically tell him hey you know you you've put in all this time but we really think we're better off going with somebody else like um that to me shows Scott Frost wants to win and wants to win bad. Um, but it also, it also shows probably the relationship that he's built with those guys to still see Martinez um, before the game, given, given the pep talk that's, that's going around social media. I think, uh, I think that's a good sign for, for coach Frost. I think, it, you know, it can't be really said enough how difficult of a decision that had to be because I'm sure he sees, his situation as a football player at Nebraska, you know, when uh, Central Florida, they were struggling uh, moving the ball in 1997 and Tom Osborne takes them out and puts in, uh, was it Frankie London, I believe. And Frankie Fra- London. Frankie That's London drives them down and gets a touchdown. And then so out, and he did it just to let Scott clear his mind. Scott goes back in the game and gets booed by the student section and, and, you know, and Tom Osborne had to say, you know, it, I just had to create a spark. He's still our guy, you know. So I think he sees some of that when he was dealing with Martinez. And I don't think it was an easy move for him just because of those similarities. I think if there's one thing that I mean, I, I'm, I assume it's been alluded to and across different platforms, but like when we played Ohio State, the, the QB run was kind of the most important thing, just for, uh, schematically of how Ohio State defends us. And then Northwestern kind of locked us down and, you know, uh, played tight coverage, really controlled the box where that QB run was another um, – kind of difference maker or would have added more pressure. And I mean, everybody, everybody has seen and agrees that McCaffrey does something just a little bit more dangerous or presents a different problem than Adrian does. Um, and it makes me kind of flashback to Adrian's freshman year because he had that spark, but then he got hit a couple of times. And what does McCaffrey look like after a couple of those, rookie first year mistakes where he gets he gets pummeled does he kind of turn into 
Adrian where he's a little more cautious. He's a little more, uh, I'm going to read through my progressions because I've got time, but I'm also not going to be as electrifying because it hurts when you make a wrong decision. I, I think that's an excellent point. Like I, if it, I wouldn't be going too far away if I was Martinez too quick because I, I just don't think – I don't think we go the rest of the year without uh, – if McCaffrey's our guy without him getting knocked out of a game just, just because of the, of the things that you just said. So um, I think it's pretty awesome that we have both those guys. I, I wouldn't say I've lost, lost confidence in Martinez. I think that, you know, over the last couple of weeks, Coach Frost has decided that McCaffrey probably gives us a little bit better uh, chance of winning, but I would also say he hasn't lost confidence in, in Adrian at all either. Yeah, I'd say a couple of things. First off, and I think it was against – maybe they showed it in the Ohio State game or maybe it was the Northwestern game, but they showed over the last two or three years, I can't remember, maybe it was just two current players, who was responsible for the most yards from scrimmage per game across the country. And I think Adrian Martinez was third on that list and he was ahead of Trevor Lawrence. So it's not like he's been an unproductive quarterback. I think it's, it's the decision-making and, and the finishing of drives and, and that sort of thing. But I don't know if I, if I agree. And obviously I think over the last couple of years, Adrian Martinez was hurt, which I think being hurt is different than, maybe being cautious and afraid to, of the contact because these guys are football players. They know contact comes with the game. My biggest thing would be with Adrian is people just got more tape on him. So I don't necessarily know if he was afraid to run, but teams found out when he liked the run, how he liked to run, and they took that away from him. So then he was guessing. Uh, I think there just hasn't been enough tape on Luke McCaffrey and these coaches that – are in the Big Ten are going to learn what he's strong at, but more importantly, where his weaknesses are, because uh, I think it's safe to say just from some of the plays that he's made, like he is going to be reckless with the ball. Like I, I thought it was awesome when he was getting hit and he shoved that pass out just like Patrick Mahomes style with his left hand, and it turned out to be awesome. I can see that happening where he's trying and there's even been times where he's trying to avoid a sack and then he just tries to throw it away. A lot of times those get called as fumbles or intentional groundings. And uh, like I said, he's going to be reckless with the ball at, at times. So if you're willing to, to have all the excitement, I would say at some point, if he's going to be continue to be the quarterback this year, you're going to have to deal with, the, the three turnover game with two picks and a fumble or two interceptions and two, two fumbles, because that's just how he seems to be wired. Now, Kyle, I think you have a great point there. And you think back to Scott Frost at Oregon, uh, when Taylor, Mar or Taylor, when Adrian Martinez, dear Lord, let's not bring up those wounds. Uh, but Adrian Martinez his freshman year, uh, Everything was so new to the Big Ten schematically-wise of what Scott Frost does. His first read's there. If his first read's there or not there, second read's there. And if not, then he tucks. And a lot of these spread systems are your first read's not there, your second read's not there. It's, it's that run. And so uh, that second year, they took away Adrian's first, first read. And we weren't having enough success on the ground vertically we had a lot of our outside zone stuff working, but we weren't pressing them right up the middle. So it wasn't putting pressure on those middle and outside linebackers. 
And then that puts more pressure on Adrian to get the ball out in a timely manner. And that's something that we've, we've seen him struggle with. How about, how about this week? We're going to make some picks for, uh, so I think Nebraska, we, we all are probably going to pick Nebraska over Illinois. <laughs> maybe I'm making a big assumption there. But maybe when you make your pick, do they cover that 15-and-a-half-point spread? Because some days that seems like it will be not possible, and then who knows, it may surprise you. <clears throat> so, Danny, what do you got for us? Yeah, it's we'll win the game. Um, but – I'm always convinced that Nebraska never covers. And, and any time I start believing that they will, then then they don't. So, no, I think it'll, it'll probably be close. I, I, don't, I don't know that we're capable of really blowing anyone in the, in the Big Ten out. Um, I'm surprised that the, that the spread is that high. Um, but, no, I, I, I don't think it'll be – it's not going to be down to the wire. I don't think it's going to be a particularly exciting game. I think it's going to be a, uh, another one that we say, hey, we didn't lose. I'm glad we won. Um, bring on those dang Hawkeyes. Yeah, I agree with you, Danny. Brandon, your thoughts? Defense makes enough stops or gets some key turnovers. Offense does just enough to get the job done. Huskers, Huskers get another win. And Kyle, finish us off. Yeah, I'd like to see, and we just haven't had one in a long time. Like, if you think back to just some of the days that I kind of remember with, like, Dewan Gross and Keo Craver, like, we used to have exciting special teams plays, whether it be punt returns or just big big plays that happen. Like, to me, it doesn't even look like we're trying to have any kick returns anymore just because we don't put any of kind of the – the dudes back there that you think might make something happen. Like they're con- completely content of just bear catching it wherever they get it and, and taking it at the 25. Like I'd love to see some emphasis on the special teams aspect of it. Okay. We used to be a little bit more aggressive, like even in the field goal game block. Um, and we just haven't been very enthusiastic on that part. I do think this is a game we're going to win, not just not lose. Um, it's going to be a little bit colder than it has been the rest of the week. I know there were chances early on, at least here, that we might get some moisture. So that obviously would always kind of even the playing field. Uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just picking them to win. But if you put a gun to my head, I, I would say we're going to win and cover because really that's what I want to see. I want us to see just a full game. As Brandon always says, I would like to see the, the – the penalties just get trimmed down even a little bit, okay, in terms of just the false starts, okay, the, the formations, the holdings, because that's what's kind of holding our offense back. Like, we're, we're starting to come together, but every time it feels like we're gaining some momentum, something dumb happens, or there's times where we have three penalties in a row. So, I don't know. I'm just hoping we have a game where we put it all together and we win by 17 points to 20. All right. So this is not just a Nebraska pod. Obviously, we spent quite a, quite a little bit there talking Nebraska football as we head into uh, the Illinois game this weekend. But there is another game at 11 o'clock. Um, it's between two perennial powers of that mid-major, and one of them is really trying to overtake the other, uh, Appalachian State, who is uh, kind of that perennial Sunbelt power, mid-major power, who's 
fighting ACC teams, American teams uh, for supremacy there. And they're taking on the newly maybe donned perennial power of the Sun Belt. Uh, it's 15th ranked, tied for 15th rank, I found out there. Uh, the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina, who I hopefully I'm not spoiling anything here, Danny, but uh, your, your, your Chanticleers already have a championship under their belt this week. Right. The, uh, pro- the most famous uh, Coastal Carolina alumni. Is that what you're, you're alluding to? I think so. Yeah, Des- Dustin Johnson. Um, honestly, don't even know if he graduated from there. I wouldn't surprise me if he didn't graduate from Coastal Carolina, but he did attend uh, Coastal Carolina. Um, yeah, it's, they, they're an interesting story, and, and I honestly didn't know a whole lot about them um before this year and early on in the season week one or week two they just they just struck me caught my eye and so if you if you listen to this podcast at all or 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 talk to me um, about football it's it's kind of a team that I've that I've latched on to um then and there have been some neat articles and things written about them this year Uh, I I kind of feel like um the 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 nation wants them to, to sort of open overtake Appalachian State uh, in the Sun Belt. Um, I would imagine that Appalachian State is, is kind of chuckling to themselves and, and really looking forward to, to coming and, and knocking them off and kind of taking some of the some of the Chanticleer swagger away. Um, and so for those reasons, that's why I picked this game. I, I won't honestly say that I'll be tuning in um, and, and paying real close attention. I may have it on. Um, but honestly, there's so many good games at 11 o'clock on Saturday that it's going to, it's going to be a lot to keep track of. Um, I think this is going to be a close one. Uh, both teams numbers wise seem pretty similar. I would say, uh, maybe app state likes to, likes to run the ball a little more and, and maybe coastal Carolina will we'll try to go through the air. Um, but if, uh, if, if coastal Carolina wants to be taken seriously, they gotta, they gotta, be able to, to handle business in, in their own conference. Um, Appalachian state does have the one loss. Uh, speaking of Marshall, that that's the only loss that the Mountaineers have had this year. Um, but, but both are, uh, are undefeated in conference. So um, 11 AM, I believe this is on one of the ESPNs. Yeah. Yep, on ESPN two. Is is Huskers probably just on the Big Ten? Yep, Big Ten yeah. Network. So if you want to do some some flipping back and forth, keep an eye on this one. But like I said, there's a there's a whole bunch of good games on at eleven, and, and you guys know how much I've I've been enjoying the the early slate, the morning football this year. So uh, more than anything, I'm excited with a little little break from from uh, from school coming up next week uh, to to get a lot of football watched this Saturday. So. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pick coastal Carolina. I'm not super confident in that. Um, but I wouldn't be, a, you know, like Kyle says, if you want your, if you want your team to win and you're excited about them, then you got to pick them to win. So, uh, so it's a coastal Carolina win for me. All right. So I, I was surfing the old Twitter sphere the other day. And I came across some film breakdown of coastal Carolina and they're doing a lot of like the army Navy, uh, read option football. Uh, speed option football, power option football, if you would, but they're doing it from the pistol. And they're doing it in a lot of ways that are kind of creative, like Oregon was doing when Chip Kelly was the head coach. And so they're doing some things that a lot of teams aren't prepared for. 
Um, so it's been kind of neat to kind of deep dive into a little more Chanticleer football. Uh, but there's a famous quote by the old Ric Flair, the, uh, the WWF, WCW, NWA, 16-time champion. And it's to be the man, you've got to beat the man. And I kind of feel like Coastal Carolina needs to do that in order to kind of overtake the mountaintop of the mid-majors. And for that very reason, I think I have to go to Appalachian State. I Until I see them do it, I don't. I just don't think they can. And so um, I'm going to go against the Chanticleers and that teal field that they'll be playing on on Saturday and go with Appalachian State. Brandon? I have an Appalachian State mini helmet up on my shelf over there in a box in my closet just because I've never hung it up. I have the Sports Illustrated from when Appalachian State beat Michigan. And I have two autographed pictures by former Appalachian State head coach Jerry Moore. Uh, the first autograph I got, I wrote to him when I was a teacher, just if they had anything they could send me to hang up in my classroom. And he sent an autograph picture. And then about a year later, I get a, I get a letter from his wife saying that uh, Coach Moore had moved offices and took a bunch of stuff out. And I was at home and they were going through it and sorting through stuff. And they came across my letter. And so they sent another one, forgetting that they sent the first one. And uh, she, so that, so I always have kind of a fondness for Appalachian State. But Coastal Carolina, that, that's the new Appalachian State. And I, because of Danny Tieran for him. And uh, last year he rooted for Temple with me a few times. So I got to hop on the Coastal Carolina bandwagon thanks man yep kyle yeah i was looking at this game and i think it'll be a pretty decently close game but i'm just gonna go with the home team i'll go with coastal carolina uh i was kind of looking at some pictures and i'm not a huge fan of all of the the different colored fields i do think it's kind of a at least an interesting wrinkle and a recruiting tip for for maybe a non-traditional school, just a way to kind of put their name out there. But when they go on the all black with that teal kind of worked into their jersey and on the teal field, it looks sweet. So uh, I'm going with Coastal Carolina. Uh, I actually map quested or Google Maps, whatever you want to call it these days for you young hipster kids out there. I don't you know get on Ask Jeeves and uh, I, search uh, I actually mapped out where I thought my aunt and uncle lived and where the actual Carolina or the coastal Carolina was. And it was actually legitimately like less than five miles away. And I, I don't even know if the school was even around when I was there, but uh, yeah, really close. So I'm just going to keep riding that, that one story that I have that it's from Conway, South Carolina. And I was there one time. So let's go chance. Boom. Choice. For either A, to, uh, for me to climb the board and gain a game, or to have obvious take a game from me. The next game is a 230 matchup. It's number 10, Wisconsin, at number 19, Northwestern. This is an ABC game. Uh, Wisconsin enters at a seven and a half point favorite. Kyle, go ahead. Uh, I just I, I do think this is a pretty interesting matchup because I think if you could ask Pat Fitzgerald, hey, 
you can become, you can change Northwestern and you can mirror one program in the country, who would it be? And I honestly think one of his top choices would be Wisconsin. Hard-nosed defense that doesn't give up very many big plays. Physical on offense, kind of grinds them out. And, and so because of that, and I'll get to my pick right away, I'm, I'm, I'm picking Wisconsin to win. And just as I was kind of looking through this, um, I, was, I came across a, a couple of stats that Wisconsin has put up. Granted, they've only played two games against Illinois, who between them and Rutgers will probably be one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. And Michigan, who I think have just the wheels falling off uh, in terms of just nothing seems to be going their way. But here's just a couple of things that Wisconsin kind of prides themselves year in and year out, and this year has kind of uh, exacerbated it. It says number one in the nation in fewest penalties per game. So if we just compare that to Nebraska, who were constantly saying, man, we need to eliminate these penalties, eliminate these penalties – and they have gotten to the point where they don't commit them, uh, that's a huge factor, okay? Usually that's a difference between uh, 80 yards of offense. Uh, number one in run defense. So uh, I do not think that the little scat back that, North, that Northwestern is, has been trying to kind of ride uh, in stretch of the games is going to have any space at all uh, in terms of big playability. Uh, number one in scoring defense, and um, it says in the most Wisconsin way of all, nine or number one in time of possession. And so over their first two games, they've had the ball on average over 40 minutes in the game. And so if you're controlling the ball that much, you're not having stupid penalties. The only thing that's going to derail you are turnovers. And Pat Fitzgerald has turned Wisconsin over in the past. But, man, I, I watched a little bit of that Michigan game, and it's just like running back university there. Their new running back looks like a huge version of Jonathan Taylor. Like, he looks bigger than Jonathan Taylor. He looks more physical. He actually looks like a guy that you would see in Alabama's backfield just in terms of stature. Um, so I think it's going to be a typical Wisconsin game where it's student body right, student body left, and their quarterback, Mertz, is is kind of their dude. He's kind of their first real quarterback that they've had, not just a game manager. So um, I would have liked to see Nebraska play them later in the year, but we obviously missed out on that game. We don't get our chance. So um, I think Wisconsin's going to end up kind of rolling through everybody in the, in the Big Ten West. All right, Danny. Yeah, I, I don't think Northwestern's going to have it. Um, I, I think they're uh, looking to, to sort of prove um, some legitimacy here, and I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, it appears that Wisconsin has a 62% likelihood to cover an eight-and-a-half-point spread. So I think, uh, I think uh, it's, it's probably going to be, like Kyle said, an a, a easy Wisconsin win. Maybe yeah. not easy. It's going to be a significant Wisconsin win. This is just a, a gambling thing. Where are you getting that number from? Uh, well, you know, I have the uh, the Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus bundle. Yeah. And I, I just realized that you can really kind of dig deep into some of these things on, on ESPN Plus. So that's, that's where I found that. 
here's what I would tell you about people who actually make their living gambling. They're not giving away their stats on how likely that uh, a team is going to cover because that's the difference between making a lot of money and no money at all. So I would always err on the side of caution on any publicly known percentages that somebody's just giving you. No, that's just straight like data. Like that's, that's based on, I guess, all the previous data. Well, I know, but somebody made this fancy formula to give you that number. And I'm going to tell you if it's a number that people have actually used to make a lot of money on, they're not giving it up. So Either that's an older I'm not, version. I'm not even recommending gambling. I'm just saying oh, that's. I that's would a, gambling's fun, except for I always up. lose. <laughs> now i I don't have a whole lot to say. I just i i, I feel like uh, Northwestern wants to be taken real seriously, and this is going to be uh, an opportunity for Wisconsin to to kind of knock them back down to size a little bit. Nope, I agree with everything you guys said. Uh, Wisconsin's came out and looked impressive both games, so I got Wisconsin. Brandon, last pick, who you got? Uh, Wisconsin fans, you got two things to be excited about this weekend, and we know that reminiscing about past national championships isn't one of them. But uh, for Wisconsin fans out there, you can, you can go into this weekend thinking that you are the first people that invented the idea of jumping around during the jump around song. Okay, congratulations. I'm sure nobody else thought of that. And the second thing you get to be thankful for as we go into uh, Thanksgiving week or weekend prior, uh, you get a win. They'll run the ball. I think they may blow out Northwestern. I still don't like Wisconsin, even though I'm picking them. It's not because I like them. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes. All right. So all four of us are on Wisconsin. Uh, it's probably going to be a close game just because that's how Northwestern and Wisconsin both kind of play traditionally. Uh, but we'll see if Graham Mertz has anything to say about that, putting up a ton of passing yards. Our next game is at 630. Um, Liberty, who comes in at 21. Hugh Freeze-led Liberty. in at 21 takes on North Carolina State. Now, this is an ESPN3 game, so depending on the slate, if a couple games get canceled, maybe they move it on to the ESPN2. Uh, so close to being ESPN8, the Ocho. Um, but North Carolina State enters as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. This is Brandon's game this week. Brandon, take it away. Kyle put out an email to us this week about some of these kind of Cinderella teams uh, that are, we typically don't see in the top 25. And oftentimes we'll, we'll see like one or two each year, but this year there's just a lot more, probably because they haven't had the tough out-of-conference schedule to kick off their seasons. So I thought this would be an interesting matchup because Liberty is undefeated. They're in the top 25. North Carolina State is – and they're not a powerhouse or anything, but they're a team that nobody's going to take lightly. And so just by the name of uh, the name brand of theirs, you know, I thought it would be a cool matchup. So North Carolina, North Carolina State is five and three. They've beat the bad teams on their schedule and they've lost to the decent teams on their schedule. Uh, they did beat Pitt, but depending on the week that Pitt is playing depends on if they're good or bad. So Pitt has been a tough team for me to figure out this season so far, but the NC State did beat them. Uh, they'll 
try to control the clock, try to control the line of scrimmage. Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person Jr. are their running backs, uh, kind of split carries and similar yardage. Uh, Isaiah Moore, who's a linebacker, and Terrell Dawkins, who's a defensive end, and Daniel Joseph, who's a tackle, defensive tackle, they combined for 11 sacks. So I think uh, they're pretty good, but they're going to have their hands full with Liberty, who's 8 0. Uh, they're kind of similar with that of Nebraska, where I kind of think they'll have to rely on everything with their quarterback this year. Liberty's kind of the same way. Uh, Malik Willis, fifth, you know, three to one touchdown interception ratio is good. He's at a 15 to one touchdown interception ratio. That's a lot better, you know. And uh, so that he's got 15 touchdowns through the air. And he also, with his 700 yards rushing, has nine touchdowns on the ground. So 24 total touchdowns from him. So as he goes, uh, will determine how Liberty does it. Um, Anthony Butler, Andrew's long-lost cousin, maybe brother, I don't know. Uh, he's a linebacker, and Javon Scruggs is a safety. Both of them are good running around the field making tackles. Hopefully, in their case, they're going to be able to make tackles up near the line of scrimmage to stop NC State's rushing attack. Uh, the common opponent between the two is Virginia Tech and NC State lost to Virginia Tech and Liberty uh, was smiled upon by the football gods and they beat Virginia Tech. So uh, that's kind of an interesting uh, common opponent of theirs. But I think I'm going to go with NC State. I, um, I don't know. <clears throat> I think they're going to be able to kind of corral Malik Willis. But if you haven't watched him, on any YouTube or anything or any of his highlights, he's super fun to watch. Uh, it just it kind of reminds me of like the old Virginia Tech offense when they had Vic, you know, and it was just he was the guy, you know. And this guy is electric and fun to watch. Has a lot of good highlights to check out. And but uh, I think he's going to lose. I'm going with NC State. All right, Danny. So. Big North Carolina fan, big Coastal Carolina fan. Have you done any research into North Carolina State this year? No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> shoot. No, any time I think of Liberty, I think of Hugh Freeze in the hospital bed. Like that's, that's where my mind goes. And then I saw he was mentioned uh, as a possibility for the South Carolina job. So apparently at least people think he's doing a, a good job. Uh, well, do you know how he ended up at Liberty? Because he was the head coach at Ole Miss when they had the number one recruiting class, and there was some fishy business there that uh, they said you probably shouldn't coach anymore at the at the Division One level. Best players you yeah. can buy. I have I have a feeling there's going to be some team that thinks he's you know served his time and and will welcome him back. Um, but as as a coastal carolina fan i think i have to want liberty to to win this game um because if i want my chance to keep uh keep climbing uh they got to they got to beat some good teams and i got to beat some ranked teams and um their only opportunity left might be liberty i told you guys it was next week but i think i think those two play in two weeks 
which would be, I believe, the final uh, final game that Coastal Carolina has. So, yeah, on December 5th. Um, I, I'd love to see Liberty win. Liberty uh, still ranked. Coastal Carolina still undefeated. Um, just, just so the, the, the good story continues. So, um, even though they're not favored in the game, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Liberty. No, I think I, uh, uh, I want to believe like Danny is, is saying, because Liberty's offense is pretty dang good. Just like, uh, Hugh Freeze, his offense was awesome at Ole Miss there. They put up 50 points easy on Virginia Tech. That defense just kind of gave up at the end and Virginia Tech came scoring back and, um, and so it's, it'll be interesting just because North Carolina State isn't going to do anything flashy. They're not going to um, do anything that Liberty hasn't seen. But I feel like Dave Doran is kind of an underrated coach at North Carolina State. Um, yeah, he goes 8-4 and four at best every year. He goes 4-8 and eight at worst every year. But he's always in some games he probably shouldn't be. Um, and so I think I'm going to go with North Carolina State here just just solely hoping that, um, like Kyle's logic a few weeks ago, when he picked Texas over Oklahoma State, that uh, you know, big name program should be able to at least win one game, and this is that one game for North Carolina State. So, uh, North Carolina State, Kyle, what's your what's your thoughts here? I picked Texas over Oklahoma State, and you compare that to North Carolina <laughs> State versus Liberty. Well, uh, unranked versus ranked, unranked oh. versus ranked. Um. Yeah, that was just a big brother whooping up on a little brother, which I'm assuming we're going to get to in this next game that you're picking. Um, I think the the pedigree of a school the size of North Carolina State compared to the pedigree of a school the size of Liberty has to come into play. Now, obviously, upsets happen all the time, but in terms of making picks and, and trying to win money if, if you're trying to make these picks um, – you lose more times than you win if you start picking those underdogs too many times. Uh, I'm just going to go with the the pedigree of North Carolina State being an ACC school, having more uh, facilities, more resources to get better players. Uh, I honestly think that it helps NC State that uh, Virginia Tech blew that lead and, and lost to Liberty because uh, I'm assuming any coach at North Carolina State is, is kind of reminding – their players that obviously this team can play with anybody. And if we don't bring our A game, uh, they're going to come here and beat us. Uh, so I think having that Virginia Tech loss to kind of make sure and, and kind of just hammer over the heads of the NC State players, I'm, I'm taking NC State over the, the Cinderella Liberty. All right. So there, Danny's the only one going with Liberty. And he has a chance to gain all, all of us in one game there if uh, he can pull off that game against uh, North, North Carolina State. Geez, North Dakota State, that would be a heck of a, a matchup. But our last game is also another 630 matchup. Um, it's on ABC. Number 14, Oklahoma State travels not too far from uh, old Stillwater to number 18, Oklahoma. Oklahoma uh, comes in at a seven-point favorite. Uh, Kyle alluded to it being a little bit of a big brother, little brother matchup. And we already saw that uh, Oklahoma State lost to Texas this year. 
Um, the Big 12 is kind of wide open. They've already kind of eliminated themselves from playoff contention. And if OU beats Oklahoma State, uh, it's hard to imagine even a, a smithern, a, a, a smidge of a chance that the Big 12 gets in. And so OU, arguably maybe one of the top, uh, one of the hotter teams that is not currently at the top here that we've seen. Um, but OU, Spencer Rattler's kind of figuring it out. The defense has played better the last couple of weeks. Um, hopefully moving past that North Carolina – or, geez, Louise, Kansas State loss. I'm struggling. Um, but if Oklahoma State can win, it might be a statement that, hey, yeah, we lost one game, but we're better than – then our big brother OU, and maybe that carries some weight. But uh, I'm going to go Oklahoma just because how Oklahoma's played the last few weeks. Uh, but you never know, a, a rivalry game like this where a little brother feels motivated because they're playing for a Big 12 championship berth. And, you know, if, if things go right, this could be round two in a couple of weeks. But um, Oklahoma's going to be Oklahoma State. Danny? Yeah, I'm going to go Oklahoma as well. Um... I actually kind of stopped paying attention to them after uh turned out Spencer Rattler might not be uh, winning the Heisman this year. Um, but, no, I think I got to go with the favorite after my last pick, so Oklahoma. Brandon. Oklahoma improving as the season goes on, and I think they're going to be too much to handle. And Kyle. Yeah, for the same reason why I'm picking uh, that I picked Texas over Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's the type of team that when Oklahoma is number two or number three and everybody's kind of assuming that they're going to handle Oklahoma State, that's when the Cowboys tend to give them a run. But it seems like any time where there's kind of equal expectations on both schools, um, the the cream rises to the top, and then that would be Oklahoma. So I'm taking Oklahoma in this one. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know, it seems like over the last decade, Oklahoma has two paths in their season. They either get a huge win early in the season, and you think, oh, my God, this is the year, and they stumble late, or just like they did this year, they stumble out of the blocks and then come on – kind of like a, a, a barnstormer at the end. So um, I just think that Oklahoma is, is the best team in the Big Big 12, and they just lost games early. Uh, so that's where I'm taking. I have a quick question, though, because obviously uh, this game is, is nicknamed Bedlam, which I think is a pretty sweet uh, name for a, a rivalry game. And so I, I wanted to just have a, a quick – a uh, little conversation or a quick question for you guys. I just Googled because a couple weeks ago I talked about Georgia and Florida being the largest outdoor cocktail party. I want you guys to pick, and you can come up with your own if you have your own, the best rivalry game name. Okay, so I'm just going to read you a few of these. All right, so um, the big game, Stanford Cal. Uh, for some reason, Tennessee versus Alabama is just called the third Saturday in October. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit different this year, possibly. Uh, Oregon versus Oregon State is the Civil War. You obviously have the Iron Bowl with Auburn, Alabama. Bedlam with the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Backyard Brawl, 
Pitt versus West Virginia. Clean, old-fashioned hate by Georgia, Georgia Tech. Like I mentioned earlier, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. The Red River Shootout. Or the Holy War with BYU and Utah. Like, well, do any of how come the Apple Cup didn't make it from Washington, Washington State? That just well, there's some honorable like mentions that I didn't even notice here, but uh, let's see. Yep, the Apple Cup on this list, I guess, would have been 14. <laughs> so any of those names, like, actually stand out to you or anything that wasn't named? I, I, I think it's kind of cool when you can call a game the Holy War or the Civil War. Like, that. that's kind of cool and just shows you the – the deepest uh, of rivalries, but when I when I hear about when I hear the Civil War game, that like almost like I think that's taking it to a little bit of an extreme. Like that's a little too much for me. Here's mine. Soccer talk. The uh, one of the biggest rivalries in the in the world is Real Madrid versus Barcelona. They call it El Clasico. Uh, but when the two major league soccer teams from Los Angeles play each other. They call it El Trafico. There you go. Any, uh, uh, any other honorable mentions, Brandon, that you know of? Um, for the one that was mentioned, I like good old-fashioned hate if for the one that was mentioned. And for an unmentioned one, I'd have to go, obviously, with America's game. Yeah. Army-Navy. Uh, what about the bits of broken chair trophy? Now, trophies is a completely different <laughs> Okay, yeah. We, we don't need to get into the trophy games. So, That's, you, you say the, the, the Civil War is too intense. How about the Border War, Kansas-Missouri? Well, geez, that's not a great game, but um, I think that's kind of cool. I'll tell you what, though, the mid-2000s. I like those border rivalries and the in-state rivalries. I, I think those are fun. When Kansas and Missouri were both like top five going for that Big Twelve championship in like '05 or whatever, that was pretty fun to watch because it was about uh, the only was both teams were competitive. But it was so annoying when Kansas was good, like I, <laughs> for, uh, for that two-year stretch. Yeah, it was just who was they had some quarterback that was named after like a, a white wine, wasn't it? Reese yeah. or something. Reese, Reesling or Reesing or something yeah, like that, that. They. Those guys annoyed me. I'm glad they're back to being terrible. <laughs> okay, here's just a couple more that are on this honorable mention, some I've never heard of. Rumble in the Rockies, the Egg Bowl. There's your in-state rivalry in Mississippi. Oh, That's the Egg Bowl. Is Rumble in the Rockies Colorado, Colorado State? No, Colorado, Utah. What What's the CSU-CU game called? Because that one, remember like – a while ago when they actually did have like a big rumble at mile high stadium. I used to call it the tear gas bowl because <laughs> yeah. it seemed like for a few years there would be riot police throwing tear gas out to get people separated. I, I think if you had a, a in-state rival and it was a true rivalry and it kind of went back and forth and it was always a close game, basically like the old, you know, Colorado, Nebraska type of rivalry. Like that's, that, that's what gets me going. And that's kind of like uh, I know I'm, I'm going to mention soccer again, but some of those some of those scenes get pretty intense um, when it really truly like matters to to players and fans like almost equally. They call it the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Yeah, 
that's that needs a better cool. name. Now, and I don't know why I just thought of this, and it was a, a thing I was going to mention in the Northwestern Wisconsin game. That game was originally scheduled to be played at Wrigley Field, Danny. Oh, that would be so awesome. You, you and your football games and baseball stadiums. And, uh, and, and one of my top three favorite cities. Yeah. yeah. So, unfortunately, Amazing. it is now just at uh, Northwestern's high school football field. <laughs> uh, no, no, never mind. I was going to mention how short Northwestern actually cut the grass when Nebraska played them. I was surprised, but that's two weeks ago, and we don't need to Plus, I thought that. they had the speed advantage. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> wow. Right. So to recap this week's games, uh, we all picked Nebraska over Illinois. The second matchup, Appalachian State at Coastal Carolina. Uh, I chose Appalachian State. Danny Cow and Brandon chose Coastal Carolina. Wisconsin Northwestern, we all have Wisconsin. Liberty and North Carolina State. Danny has Liberty, and the rest of us have North Carolina State. And we all are on Oklahoma to be Oklahoma State. And so as we kind of wrap up here like we do every week, extra points. Brandon, you have an extra point for us? I know. I hope everybody has a good rest of their week. Have fun watching some football this weekend. Danny, extra I, point. Yeah, I have one. Chaz Surratt. Chaz Surratt <laughs> from Temple. So, no, he's North no, Carolina. No, North Carolina, North Carolina. But we're on about a year here of, of being into this podcast, 21st episode, and and now being kind of a North Carolina fan, Chaz Surratt is a uh, – is an NFL linebacker. And I remember one of our first episodes, Brandon throwing that name out. And I think, uh, I think the rest of us looked at each other like, who the heck is this guy? How does Brandon know this guy's name? And for some reason, like this name just keeps coming up uh, and to the point now where he's like, uh, he was a quarterback. some people think, what's that? He was started as a quarterback. Yeah, he started as a quarterback. He moved to linebacker. And now they're thinking he's going to be one of the first linebackers uh uh, drafted so way to go Brandon I just want to I just wanted to say that name to, to see Brandon's reaction and it and it was it was definitely worth it so I can't wait keep... to buy my Eagles Surratt jersey next year <laughs> the Eagles are <laughs> drafting him too yep they are okay awesome Chaz Surratt still have no idea if we're saying that name correctly but there he is that's my extra point Kyle extra point Kyle, you got anything yeah, I think it's kind of just interesting. Uh, we had a little text chain going on here, and it was floated as an idea for a kind of a, a celebrity guest picker on this thing. And it got kind of met with some, some reservations here. And I just want all of our loyal listeners to know, uh, the maybe the handful of you guys that are out there, hopefully there's more, but – a name got floated around, and if you weren't, if you're not confident that it was your name that got floated around, it's kind of like talking to your congressman. You better be talking to your closest confidant on the Seeing Second podcast because obviously we didn't have this guest picker, um, but the idea was floated out there. So if if you think you you have what it takes uh, to at least beat Danny. Uh, you uh, you might want to start kind of recruiting yourself because before you know it, the walls are are, are slowly being weakened. Um, and so I don't know if there's a possibility of it, 
Uh, the first one kind of got shut down quickly. Uh, we all have plenty to say and, and maybe just another voice just uh, is one more person for me to talk over too much. Uh, but just so you know, it was floated out there. So uh, like I said, talk to your, your most loyal confidant on the scene second uh, crew here because the first person could be you. Gosh, how do you top that? That could be you. But make sure you do follow us on, uh, on Twitter at SingSecond, on Instagram at SingSecondPod. Make sure you email us at SingSecondPodcast uh, at gmail.com. Find ways to get involved so that way we may have you on the SingSecondPod.